Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Albany Update. This week, the story that dominated the news cycle was the defeat of a pro-life amendment in Kansas. It dominated in no small part because much of the media was gleeful to see this pro-life setback and saw that it received ample coverage. However, for those of us in the pro-life movement, it is just a temporary detour, a learning opportunity, as the march toward a pro-life America continues. Then in other news, we learned that the FDA has slapped a warning label on certain puberty blockers, substances frequently used in treating gender dysphoria and preparing young people for so-called sex change surgeries. Third, there is a legislative effort to recognize stillborn births for families who suffer these tragic losses. It's a proposal that our organization supports, and one we hope will gain more traction in the State House. Finally, that August 23, 2022 Congressional and State Senate Primary Day is rapidly approaching. We'll tell you more about the candidates running in New York 22 and New York 24 in today's program. There's a lot to cover once again this week, so let's get started. Let's begin by talking about that Kansas amendment. On August 2nd, voters in the state of Kansas had a historic opportunity to amend their state constitution to protect unborn babies. Unfortunately, Kansas voters failed to take that opportunity. The amendment was defeated 59 to 41 percent. In 2019, the Kansas Supreme Court ruled that the Kansas Constitution contains a right to abortion. The proposed Value Them Both amendment stated that the Kansas Constitution does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion. This language would have overridden the Kansas Supreme Court's decision and restored authority to the people of the state of Kansas and their elected representatives to set abortion policy. Given that Kansas is often viewed as a solidly Republican state in national elections, the results of the August 2nd vote are surprising and disappointing. Abortion advocates and their many allies in the Democratic Party are eager to spin the results as an early indication that voters will lean their way on Election Day. They would love nothing more than to discourage Christians into being quiet about abortion and staying home on Election Day. But Christians must not allow ourselves to become discouraged by the setback in Kansas. Many of us never believed that Roe v. Wade would be overturned in our lifetimes. And while the battle took nearly 50 years, the Lord eventually gave us victory. Instead of losing heart, now is the time for us to learn the lessons that the Kansas vote has to teach us and to strengthen our resolve to keep praying and working toward a pro-life New York and a pro-life America. And in other news, over the past year and a half, the administration of President Joe Biden has made its support for medical treatments that affirm the transgender identities of children and youth, as well as its support for the rest of the transgender agenda, abundantly clear. Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine, a biological male who identifies as transgender, has described such medical treatments, misleadingly referred to as gender-affirming care, as life-saving and medically necessary. But are these treatments really safe and healthy for kids? Well, in July, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, 
placed a warning label on a certain type of puberty blockers. Puberty blockers are used to delay puberty in children that experience precocious puberty. However, they are also used to prevent children who identify as transgender from experiencing normal puberty and developing appropriate secondary sex characteristics. According to DailySignal.com, the FDA took this action because six minors developed severe brain-related symptoms after taking a certain form of puberty-blocking substances. The children reportedly experienced increased pressure inside the brain, which led to symptoms that mimic brain tumor symptoms. Such symptoms include eye paralysis, headache, vomiting, optic nerve swelling, and vision disturbances in which patients see lights that do not exist. Jennifer Bowens of Family Research Council commented that we already have studies showing the negative effects of both puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. However, Bowens acknowledged that anytime we see more evidence and more publicity on the damage that these drugs do to kids, it's helpful. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms calls upon the Biden administration to cease its pro-LGBT misinformation campaign about so-called gender-affirming care for minors. And in another story this week, according to the Centers for Disease Control, approximately 24,000 children, nearly 70 per day, are stillborn each year in the United States. As an insightful recent article by Diana Dombrowski of the Rockland Westchester Journal News makes clear, stillbirth is a deeply traumatic experience for parents. According to the article, stillbirth is defined as a delivery in which an infant of at least 20 weeks gestation is born dead. The term miscarriage is used for pregnancy loss that occurs before 20 weeks gestation. Marnie Smith, who gave birth to a stillborn son in 2019, describes stillbirth as, quote, surreal in the worst way, because when you think about the day that you're going to give birth to your child, it's going to be the happiest day of your life, and suddenly you flip a switch, and it's your worst nightmare, end quote. Cassidy Crow, who delivered a stillborn daughter earlier this year, reportedly learned that her daughter's heart was no longer beating. At 36 weeks gestation, Crow underwent an induced labor. Quote, I'm going into the thing I feared the most as a woman, Crow said. Then to go into it knowing that your daughter is dead and you still have to go through the delivery process is such a mental torture that it makes the delivery process seem like an eternity, end quote. In addition to dealing with their grief over the loss of a child, mothers of stillborn children must also physically recover from the birthing process. For some families that experience a stillbirth, financial stress only compounds the trauma. According to the Journal News, expenses related to a stillbirth add up quickly, such as funeral service fees, mental health care, and genetic testing to rule out risks in future pregnancies. For several years, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms has supported bills that would provide a one-time $2,000 tax credit to parents of stillborn children. Those bills have yet to gain traction in the New York State Legislature. The Journal News reports that similar proposals have become law in Connecticut, Minnesota, and Louisiana. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms calls upon the legislature to offer financial relief to the parents of stillborn children by creating a tax credit for them. And now in the remaining minutes of this program, let's break down a couple of congressional races. 
On August 23rd, the state of New York will hold primaries in congressional races and state senate races, as well as two special elections in two vacant congressional districts. Accordingly, we've been profiling key primary elections in various areas of the state, and this week, we'll be profiling the upcoming Republican primary in New York's newly drawn 22nd Congressional District, often seen in shorthand as New York 22. The Central New York District includes Madison, Oneida, and Onondaga counties. Due to redistricting, Representative Claudia Tenney, the member of Congress for the current 22nd District, has opted to seek election in New York's newly drawn 24th Congressional District. The Republican candidates for Congress in New York 22 are Steve Wells and Brandon Williams. According to his campaign website, Wells is a Syracuse native who received his college degree from the Cornell University School of Hotel Administration and his law degree from Vanderbilt University. Wells served as an assistant criminal district attorney in Texas. He is a founding partner of the American Food and Vending Corporation. Wells has served as a treasurer of the New York Republican Party and has held a variety of leadership roles in community organizations. His campaign website focuses on issues like national security, public safety, border security, Second Amendment rights, and job creation. Wells asserts that he supports the return to the Mexico policy in regard to illegal immigrants who seek asylum. He opposes socialized medicine and woke ideologies. Wells has been endorsed by Representative Elise Stefanik. He resides in Casanova, New York. Williams' campaign website states that he is a Texas native who received his bachelor's degree from Pepperdine University and his MBA from the Wharton School of Business. He has served in the United States Navy as a strategic missile officer. Williams moved to central New York in 2010. He is the founder of a software company and an agribusiness. Williams' website states his support for a border wall, energy independence, Second Amendment rights, parental rights, and criminal justice. Williams opposes what he describes as social engineering in the U.S. military. He has received the endorsement of the Conservative Party of New York State. Williams resides in Senate, New York. In a recent candidate forum, Wells and Williams differed somewhat on the issue of abortion. Wells asserted that abortion policies should be set at the state level, but did not state his own view on the topic. Williams indicated that he is pro-life. Also, when asked to identify the biggest threat to the United States, Wells said that China was the greatest threat. Williams, on the other hand, identified socialist ideology and politics and education as the greatest threat to the nation. In November, the winner of the Republican primary in New York 22 will face the winner of a four-way Democratic primary in the district. And then there's the congressional race in New York's 24th Congressional District, or New York 24. This district includes portions of the Finger Lakes region, the North Country, and Western New York. The current 24th Congressional District is represented by Republican Representative John Katko, who is not seeking re-election. The Republican primary in New York 24 features three candidates, Representative Claudia Tenney, Mario Frada, and George Phillips. Representative Tenney is a graduate of Colgate University and the University of Cincinnati College of Law. Earlier in her career, she co-owned Mid-York Press, a family business. She has also worked as a partner at a law firm, operated her own law practice, 
was chief of staff to Assemblyman David Townsend Jr. and hosted multiple radio programs. Representative Tenney served in the New York State Assembly from 2011 to 2017. Then Assemblywoman Tenney ran for Congress in New York's 22nd Congressional District in 2014, losing to Representative Richard Hanna in the Republican primary. She ran again in 2016 and was elected. Representative Tenney served in the House of Representatives in 2017 and 2018, but was narrowly defeated by Democrat Anthony Brindisi in 2018. Representative Tenney won the seat back from Representative Brindisi in 2020. Due to redistricting, Representative Tenney is now seeking election in New York's newly drawn 24th Congressional District. She resides in New Hartford, which falls outside the district's boundaries. Representative Tenney's campaign website emphasizes her support for American manufacturing, for the Second Amendment, for election integrity, and for the sanctity of life, as well as her opposition to COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Mario Frada is a native of Geneva, New York. Frado has stated that he would vote for a national ban on abortion and that he believes the issue of same-sex marriage should be left to the states. He identifies as an American First conservative and has stated that the 2020 presidential election was plagued by voter fraud. A Binghamton native, George Phillips, previously ran for Congress in New York's 22nd Congressional District in 2010, 2016, and 2020, but was unsuccessful. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.